confident that God, through his son Jesus Christ, will allow us to praise him with all of our hearts. So whether you are here in person or watching us live online, join us now as we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
church hey listen membership has its privileges guys become a member of Bradley 360 and you can be a part of reaching Jones County's loss the 20,000 people that are unchurched we keep talking about we, you can give so we can go out there and reach them through these ministries you saw the ice cream ministry the the road to hope well, excuse me the activities in, in ministry in general so, uh, listen it's $30 a month $360 a year and that is a lot of money, but it really ain't a lot of money if you if you go with what's important to you. I would urge you, Steve uh, introduced it last week. Uh, we didn't really have uh, many people uh, take them up on it. I really would encourage you to think about it hard, to invest in our community, and to invest in uh, in the kingdom and, and bringing people to know Jesus Christ that don't know him, okay? So listen, uh, I'm pretty excited this morning. Uh, it's been a real good weekend so far. Uh, we're going to have the Road to Hope coming up. Uh, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, you'll be able to buy a ham, a turkey, and a, uh, a picnic for 50 bucks a piece. And that money goes toward reaching the lost in Jones County, giving them an opportunity to come through Bradley and see the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, guys, please take part in that. Uh, sign up to get you a piece of meat. And I'm going to tell you something. We're going to watch another video. Uh, it's going to tell you a little bit more about it. And, uh, and then I'm going to lead us in prayer. But just, you know, if... I, Thanksgiving morning is a very hectic day if you've got a lot of people coming, but to be able to wake up and we have cooked your meat for you, hey, listen, that's worth $100, I think. All right, so listen, well, I'm going to lead us in prayer after this video, and um, thank you guys.
right. Uh, also, too, uh, we've got a call church conference this coming up Wednesday to vote on the uh, the, up the youth minister, uh, the candidate that the uh, search committee has brought for the youth. We're also going to vote on the carpet, uh, whether to change it out, and vote on the security system. So please be here to take part in that. And uh, also, deacons meeting following this service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here this morning, Father. Thank you for... Uh, for all the blessings, Father. Thank you for all of our ministries. Thank you for the dedicated people in this church, Lord, that, uh, that are going to take you up on, on giving to your kingdom, Father. We just thank you in advance for what they're going to do, Lord. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this community. Uh, Lord, you, 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 your grace and your mercy is, is so amazing, Father. It really is. And uh, we fail you so much, but, but you uh, forgive us. And thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I just pray these things to you in his name. Amen. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the is the only name to read. 
Good morning. Shall we? Let's go to God in prayer, please. Father God, we are so thankful and blessed to be able to come in your house this morning, Lord, and just to uh, just to share your goodness, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for the message we've heard so far through song, Lord, and through what we might have heard in our, our, our Bible study hour this morning, Lord. And I pray that you'll just be with us over the next few moments, Lord, that we just see uh, see how great you are and that we just hear something that we can take from this place today, Lord, and just share with this world. I pray with that you'll just... Uh, Watch over us in everything we do, that we're just a shining light for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, good morning. I'm, uh, I'm Chris Maxie. Uh, I'm the guy you're voting on Wednesday night for a youth pastor. So either let me know how much I need to pay you to get a yes, or I just got to do really good this morning. Um, Uh, I want to say thank you all for letting me be here this morning. Uh, thank you to Bradley Baptist. We have visited over um, a couple times in the past, especially during this pandemic stage, because while a lot of churches were closed, y'all were still kind of open, so we were able to kind of come visit and be part of a church. And uh, it's just um, the few times we've been here, everybody's just been really great um, and uh, just felt like a family. And that's what we love is family. Um, just a little bit about myself before we get started this morning. Uh, again, I'm Chris. Uh, my wife, Maggie, and my little girl, Mary, are with me this morning. Uh, we come from a, a rather large metropolitan area. Some of you are familiar with it. It's uh, called Gordon, Georgia. I don't laugh at Gray. Why are y'all laughing at Gordon? Uh, if you're not familiar with Gordon's at, it's by other bigger cities like Arlington and McIntyre and Tinsboro. Um, yeah. Ivy, you know, home to the world's largest mud hole. Used to be a lake there. It's a wildlife refuge now, and it's got creepy things down there. But we come from Gordon. I grew up, uh, we both grew up in Gordon First Baptist Church. I've done youth ministry at Gordon First Baptist Church. Uh, I've caused a lot of trouble in Gordon First Baptist Church because I'm a hyperactive man-child. Um, I've best been described as my uh, favorite aunt. I'm not sure why she's my favorite since she's the one that calls me this, but I'm an eight-year-old trapped in a grown man's body trying to get out. Um, I do like to have fun. I'm very loud. I'm very hyperactive. I'm very energetic. But when it comes to the Word of God, that's when I get the ser most serious. Um, I love to uh, teach. I love to preach. But more importantly, I just love to serve. Um, I believe in being part of a church where you can serve, if, even if that means you're picking up trash off the floor, you're cleaning a toilet or whatever. I believe you should serve the church. And um, this morning, since, you know, I've been around the past couple days uh, meeting youth, meeting parents, meeting some of y'all, um, by the way, if I've met you, and you come and talk to me again, I have to say, please forgive me. What is your name one more time? I'm just really bad with names. It takes me a while, but I promise I'll learn and remember your names. Um, but I am glad, and I'm, I've been happy to meet everybody so far. And, uh, but I believe if you're going to vote on somebody to be your youth pastor, to be somebody who's going to be in charge of teaching your teenagers and growing them spiritually and trying to be a, a positive role model and a godly role model, you need to know where that person comes from. So this morning, I want to share with you um, a story from my favorite book of the Bible because that story helps me tell my story a little bit. And um, 
if you were to ask me what my favorite Bible story is, and, and this doesn't include the people who are here at 9 o'clock, you wouldn't be able to guess my favorite Bible character. Not, not within the first few guesses. There's 66 books in the Bible, and if you were to ask me who my favorite Bible, what my favorite book in the Bible is, you would be around guess 45 to 66 before you got to it. Because my favorite character in the Bible is not, you know, if you were to ask that question, Jesus Christ isn't coming out of my mouth because here's the problem with that. It's Jesus Christ should be everybody's favorite, so that's a given. So it needs to be like, other than Jesus Christ, who's your favorite Bible character? And you wouldn't guess him. My favorite book of the Bible is not one of the Gospels. I love the Gospels. I think the, go- the Gospels are very, very um, important. But again, I think that's kind of a given, you know. Other than the Gospels, what's your favorite book in the Bible? It's not Genesis. It's not Exodus. It's not Revelation. It's not Acts. It's not any of the writings of Paul. My favorite book of the Bible is Jonah. Um, because that dude reminds me so much of myself. Jonah's the guy, if you ever read a story, you sit there and you probably thought, why did God waste his time with this dude? From the very outset, he doesn't do what God wanted him to do. He runs away from God. And then if you get to the end of the book, he does great things, but then he complains to God even more. So why did God even waste his time with this guy? But Jonah, I like Jonah because I see so much of myself in him. So this morning, I want to look at a particular passage of the book of Jonah. But um, we're going to look at Jonah chapter 2. Just a little bit before we get started. Jonah's a little different than most of the prophets. You know, most of the prophets, if you look at them, um, minor prophets, major prophets, it doesn't matter which one, most of them were all called by God to go preach a message. And their targeted audience was always the same. It was God's chosen people. They all were told to go to Jerusalem, go to Judah, go to Israel, and preach and teach my people and tell them to get back on the right path. But Jonah was told, hey, I need you to go preach a message, but you're not going to your own people. No, man, you're going on a foreign mission trip. And he gets sent to Nineveh, which would be later become the capital city of uh, the Assyrian Empire. And Nineveh is a great city, huge city for this day and age. They believe it was somewhere down... God tells us at the end of this, 120,000 people. Some speculate it might have even been more than that. But it was a great city, but it was a city known for wickedness, evil, the worst of the worst, murderers, thieves, you know, crooked politicians, all this different stuff, all the, the worst of the worst in Nineveh. And so at the beginning of the book, we see the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, and God spoke to him and said, go to Nineveh and preach about their wickedness, how it has come to my eyes, and because of it, they're going to be dealt with. And we all know the story. What did Jonah do? He didn't just skip along over to Nineveh. He didn't take it with a glad heart. He didn't say, yes, sir, here I am. I'm your uh, soldier. I'm going, and we're going to do this. What's he do? He hops on a boat, and he goes the other way. And that part of that story always makes me laugh. Because Jonah is an Israelite. He grew up knowing God. He grew up knowing, you know, the books of the law. He grew up knowing what kind of God God was, yet he still thought he could outrun him, still thought he could get away from his sight. 
You can't outrun God. I've learned a lot of things in uh, my time on this earth, and the biggest and most important thing is you can't outrun God. If he created the universe, there's nowhere you can hide to get away from him. So Jonah, you know, what's he do? He runs away. He jumps on a boat. He's headed the opposite way, thinking, if I go down the bottom of this boat and take a nap, God's never going to find me. And we all know the story. A big storm comes up. Jonah gets tossed overboard. And as he's sinking to the bottom of the ocean, thinking, you know, this is it. My life's over. What happens? The whale comes and gets him and eats him. And my favorite part of the story is not, or the reason I like this story so much is it's not because he gets eaten by a whale. That still happens to this day. Lobster fishermen in Massachusetts got swallowed by one. So we know that still happens. So that's part, not even, to me, not the biggest part of this story. Why I like this story so much is because of God's grace that plays in it. What we've seen from Jonah so far is disobedience. Have you ever been disobedient in life? Yeah. 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 Probably quite more than we'd like to admit to. Have you ever been disobedient to God in this life? Yeah. Probably a little bit more than we'd like to admit to as well there. So they throw him overboard and he's sinking. He's ran from God. His life's over. When you turn your back on God, there's only one place you can go, only one direction you're going to go, and that's down. And that's where Jonah's headed right now is down. I'm, I'm headed to the depths of this ocean. I'm headed to the depths of this sea. My life is over because all I cared about was what I wanted and not what God had called me to do. And so we pick up in chapter 2, Jonah's prayer. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside, Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me to the rock. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountain. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who chase, or those who cherish worthless idols, abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then John, God commanded the fish to spit him out of his mouth. So here's Jonah, a guy who was disobedient from the get-go. Man, God, I'm your man. And God says, go to Nineveh. And he says, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. They're either going to kill me. Or because they're so wicked, your grace is going to forgive it anyway. I'm going to jump on a boat, and I'm going to go the other way. Storm comes up, and Jonah's sinking down, and he gets swallowed by a whale. And while he's in that whale's belly, he does what a lot of us do in times of despair. As a Christian, when we find ourselves in hard times, troubled times, tough times, moments that we don't understand what God's doing and how God's working, what's the first thing we do? We pray. That's what we've been taught as Christians. That's what we've been taught as little kids. Pray. Pray to God. And that's what Jonah does. He goes straight to God through prayer. 
And he kind of admits, he's like, look, God, I'm in a tough spot, and I need your help. Um, I could have died. I should have died. Right now, I should be in the very bottom of this ocean. I should be in the pit that is up under the earth. But yet, even though all the waves are crashing over me, I got seaweed tangled up on me, you saved me. It's a story of grace. It's a story of salvation here. You saved me, God. He says, but as my life is fading away, I remembered you, God. I remembered you, and I'm looking to you once more, and I'm just praying, and I'm just hoping that you're going to take care of me, and you're going to deliver me. You ever found yourself in such a bad place, a bad spot, that you're just, man, God, I messed up, and I'm just begging, and I'm praying, and I'm hoping you hear me, and you've got me. Verses 8 and 9 is what I love the most about this entire prayer. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. And I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah's idol would have been his own self, self-wants, his selfish desires. And he recognizes if you chase the things that aren't God, bad things happen. But more important than that, if you're chasing things that aren't of God, you lose that touch and that love and that connection with God. You become further and further away from God. And it's in his moment of distress he realizes this truth. But he tells God, he's like, if you remember me now, right now, I know I messed up, God, and I'm calling on you one more time. I made a promise to you that I would go and I would talk to your people in Nineveh. I would tell them about your story. I would tell them about your love. I would tell them about your goodness and your mercy and to repent. And if you save me right now, I'm going to fulfill that promise. I'm going to fulfill that vow. I'm going to fulfill what you've called me to do. And that's when God has him spat out of that mouth, that uh, well. The reason I share this story with you is I told you if you're going to hire somebody, you need to know their background. You need to know their story. You know my name. You know where I have been as far as where I've done ministry at, but you don't know how I got to that point. And I'm going to tell it to you. This is not something I share very often. I don't share my story very often, and be honest, the more I think about it, it's a waste. Because here's the thing, we have a story of how we became Christians. We've had a story of the journey God has brought us through in our life, and our story, our testimony can be the greatest tool God can use for his kingdom, and we should share it. So I'm going to let you share mine with you. I told you I like Jonah because I, I relate to it, and I do. I grew up in a church family. I grew up with a mom and a dad, you know, who loved us, fed us, probably had times where they wanted to sell us because we were kind of rowdy, but they loved us. They were good Christian people. My dad was a deacon in the church. Unfortunately, he was also my youth leader. Um, there's another guy sitting in this room that had him as his youth leader, and he'll testify. It wasn't always fun. But uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I was lucky. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a church. As a young person, uh, me and my brother, we had a drug problem. Um, our parents drug us to church, whether it was Sunday night or Wednesday night. Um, it didn't matter when it was. You were there. We grew up in church. I grew up hearing the stories of Jonah and the whale. I heard the story of 
David and Goliath. I heard the story about Jesus being born and uh, Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus feeding the thousands. I heard all that stuff. I grew up in that stuff. But it wasn't until I was about 13 when it actually all clicked. See, you know, you grow up as a child, and if you're lucky, you grow up in a church, and you grow up around loving people who teach you and invest in you, and you grow up with loving parents who want to make the, good, the best for you, and they get you in church. But when you become a, a, a middle schooler, a teenager, a young adult, you tend to kind of come a little bit more rebellious because you're coming into your own. And when I was in seventh grade, that was my, I guess, let's call it our revelation period. I was a bad kid. Um, not like bad in the way that, you know, I was out knocking over 7-Elevens and robbing banks and holding up people's lunch monies. That wasn't me. Um, when I say I was a bad kid, I was a bad kid in the way that I made decisions based on the friends I thought I needed in my life. You know, the influences I wanted in my life. What was going to make me popular? What was going to get me in the in crowd? And those decisions um, led to some bad times. Something that very few people know, and I don't even think my wife even knows this, because there's things you don't talk about in your life because you're ashamed of them. And this is one of those things. Um, I was almost expelled from John Mills Academy as a seventh grader because of some decisions I'd made. Nothing horrible um, to follow the to follow the group of people I wanted to be with, be part of, I made decisions that they would make, and it led me down the wrong road, um, which almost in, ended up in an expel, uh, expulsion from school. So uh, I was not with the right group of people. I had my school friends and I had my church friends, and if I would have followed the church crowd a little bit more, I probably would have saved myself and definitely my mom a lot of heartache. But it was later that year, we went to summer camp in Superwow, and Dave Edwards was the speaker um, in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, 1997. I was 13 years old. And I don't remember exactly what was said, um, but I do remember hearing his voice saying, you made some mistakes, and you've done some things you shouldn't have, but hey, wait, let's be honest, you're still mine, and I want you. And so that night, I gave my life to Christ. All right, so after that, you know, you kind of do what you always do when you give your life to Christ. One of the first instincts is to get into church as much as possible, try to do the right things, um, read your Bible, pray, try to hang out with better people. And that's what I did through high school and kind of into college. And then after I graduated high school, I went back to camp, and um, I never knew what I wanted to do with my life. I hated getting that question from teachers, my parents, family members, strangers, anyway. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I don't have a clue. I'm 37 years old. I still don't know. You know, all my friends seem to have their life planned out. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a, you know, this or that, whatever. But I never had a clue. All I knew I wanted to do was to help people. My biggest struggle with that was how do you help people when you don't want to go to college? Not that I had anything against college. It's just I'm a self-diagnosed ADD person. Um, I did a research paper on it when I was in high school, and I decided for myself that I have it because it explains a lot of my, uh, my uh, attention problems. Um, 
but I don't do good sitting still. That's one reason, if you've noticed, I've been moving a lot, because if I stand here in a minute, you're going to see me pick this thing up and swing around. You're going to see me do, and I can't do it. I have to move. So sitting in a class was never my was never good for me. So I went to, uh, went to that camp after high school, and I just, you know, it, it was summer after high school. I should have had my life figured out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I remember just praying to God, saying, God, what am I supposed to do? Just show me something. And I never, never, just, you know, just kind of kept that prayer in the back of my head. And we were there one night for camp. And that night, I don't remember a lot what the uh, camp pastor had said, but I remember this. All I remember him saying was, you need to serve the Lord. You need to serve God. You need to serve Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve. So as a Christian, you need to serve God. That's all I can remember from that. Because I was too busy, like, remembering the songs he sang, checking out the speakers, uh, the fact that he wasn't wearing any shoes, actually, and all this different stuff. But I remember hearing, you need to serve God. And I got thinking about that later on in that night. I was doing my quiet time. I was like, maybe the answer to my question is, what if I become, like, a Sunday school teacher? You can't get paid to be a vacation Bible school teacher, but at least it's something. And then I got thinking, you know, as the week went by and I heard the speaker speak a little bit more and just heard things and then praying to God, I was like, man, I just don't know what to do. I remember going by the Bruton Parker table because they used to give out, like, free pens, Frisbees, cups. And I feel like if you're going to take something that's free off somebody's table, you should at least talk to them so you don't feel so much like a mooch or a thief. So I talked to the guy, and he gave me some information on Bruton Parker. I stuck it in the back of my Bible and just forgot about it for the rest of the day. But later that night, the next day, it fell out, and I saw it, and I got thinking. I was like, that'd be pretty cool to go to a Christian college. Um, I wonder what that's like. It's expensive. Um, but so I prayed a little bit more about it. I was like, is this, is this the path? Is this the direction whatever? And, I, you know, after a couple of days of praying, talking to certain people who I trusted in, and just really praying on trying to listen to God, it kind of came in a whisper um, that, you know, the ministry is where you need to be. Okay, cool. I'll go. To, so I enrolled at Bruton Parker. I'm going to become a pastor or a youth pastor. I definitely ain't becoming a worship pastor because if I started singing, I'd be the only person in here. Um, y'all would run for the hills. I'm not good at that, but I wouldn't be a worship pastor. Children's ministry, you know, maybe, maybe God wants me on the foreign mission field. I didn't know when it was, but I knew it was going to be ministry. So I enrolled at Bruton Parker, and I was there for a year. And this is where the part of Jonah comes into my life. You're called to go, you know, I want you, on the, I want you to be in the mission field, Chris. That's, that's why where you, you belong. So I enroll in college. I'm there for a year, and it's too hard. It's too hard. It's too expensive. It's 8 o'clock classes stink. You know, all these different excuses came into play. And so I dropped out of college, and I went to work for my dad's company. And I started making good money. I kind of caught in the back of my head that I would, I, maybe after a while I'll go back to school. Maybe we'll pick this up. But I stayed in church, but I started working for my dad's company. And at, you know, 19, 20 years old, I started making pretty good money. And I felt like, you know, that this is easy right here. You know, work four days a week, making good money. He's going to retire one day, then I can take over, and somebody else can do all the work, and I'll just hang out and do the easy stuff. And I started making money. 
It's like, I got money. Why should I be driving that old beat-up pickup truck? That old Chevy that's just falling apart. I'll go buy me a new Ford. Went and bought me a new truck. Started buying stuff because I had money. You remember when Jonah said about uh, cherishing vainless idols, worthless idols? There's my idol. It came in money. The money kept me from going and doing what I was called to do, what I felt God called me to do during ministry. I was disobedient to God because I pretty much told God that your way is too hard. It's not going to be profitable. I want to go this way. I want to do my own thing. And so that's what I did. Did it for several years. Have you ever had your dad come to, work, uh, come to, you, come to you at home and tell you, hey, look, you're fired? I have. You know, you, one bad decision leads to another. And where some people would see that as a bad thing, it was a wake-up call. It was several, you know, a couple years have gone by. It's like, this is, that's, that's okay. It's not where I belong anymore. It was a wake-up call. So, you know, going back to God, praying, what, what did I, where did I mess up at? Where did I go wrong at? What did I do wrong? And it came back. Um, through a vacation Bible school story that I was teaching a fifth and sixth grader one night. And there it was in just three little words. Serve your God. Serve your God. That's what God had called me to do at 19. And after it got too hard, I put God off and said, this is, I'm going the other way. I'm going to do my thing. This is all about me now. And it all came tumbling down. And in my distress, I called out to God, what am I supposed to do? And a few days later, I got my answer. Serve your God. So we got back into school. We got back into church. Um, no, I still don't have a degree because I don't do well with school. But uh, the thing is, I learned that when you are obedient to God, you remember the disobedience. I said, if you turn away from God, that's only one direction you can go is down. But when you're obedient with God, he showers this thing on you called grace, and he lifts you back up, and he puts you where you're supposed to be. Became Bible, you know, we started teaching Bible school. Became a youth pastor. Um, I did do a year in North Carolina of children's ministry, which um, she's not in here. Never again, never again. Children's ministry. That those people you need to thank that light. She's people do children's ministry. They are definitely sent by God. Um, that is totally different than anything I've ever done. But I, I, God put me back in these ministry spots. He gave me these, he opened doors. He opened doors for me to fill in for friends of mine at different churches. He opened doors for us to go to Nepal and serve on the foreign mission field. It was when I realized that my disobedience had pulled me away from God that I needed to close that gap and needed to get back in with God. And when I started praying and started really listening and seeking what God's will was for my life, that's where I saw my life just turn around and start going back up. The reason I love this story so much of Jonah is we see a lot of things, you know, oh, yeah, hey, it's a story about a guy and a fish. It's a story of salvation. Jonah was saved by God physically and spiritually. He showered grace on him over and over. Jonah did not deserve in our eyes, let's be honest, if you were to read it and Jonah disobeyed God, and then at the end of it, after he does this miraculous thing and God's grace saves a city of 120,000 people, done this great thing. Most preachers would probably like, hey, let's, you know, we need to have like a celebration show. And he goes up and cries and pouts about it. 
God does this great thing through his own grace. And it's by the grace of God I'm even here today. You know, it's funny. Um, the pandemic hit, churches closed down. We came and visited y'all because, like I said, y'all were open. Our church lost it. didn't really have a children's department at the time and everything. And we were praying, where would we go? Where, if we left our church, where would we go? We need somewhere for our child to be, to grow up. And so maybe she won't make the same mistakes her dad did, but that she's invested in, that there's a family that loves her. And, uh, you know, and, and at the time, this was, uh, I had about a year and a half gap where I really wasn't doing ministry. I was filling in kind of as a lay preacher. And I um, found myself one night putting Mary to bed after she went to sleep. I sat on the edge of her bed. And I said, you know what, God? I don't feel like I'm running away from you. I, I took a little break to catch my breath to see, is, did you still want me going this path, or do I need to go this way? But one thing I do know, God, is that I want to serve you. And if that means you're going to send me to Nepal, fine. If that means you're going to send me on the mission field somewhere else, fine. If that means you want me to stay right where I'm at, that's fine. If you want to send me somewhere just to park cars for a church, that's fine, too. But all I'm asking is that you just show me where you want me to be in ministry. And I'll go. Hands down right now, I'll go because I want to be a role model for my child, God. So just send us. And it's kind of, I feel like God has a sense of humor. Um, and I feel like God really does hear your prayers. Here's the thing. Here's the truth. I don't know if I admitted this to Pastor Steve and the search committee. Yes, I was looking for somewhere to get in and serve. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I love youth ministry. My overall plan was always to get into youth ministry again and be there. I thought, I took a little break thinking I might go to college or might just get back in school and do senior pastoring again. But after sitting on that bed and praying to God, I was like, man, I just, I just want to serve. And it was about a week later, I get a phone call. Send your application to Bradley Baptist. I said, yes, I'll be fine. Is this the answer? Is this, is this where, I said, okay, I'll do it, because I'm going to trust God. And I, plan, I hope God puts me where he wants, wherever he sends, that's where we're going to go. And, you know, I don't know. I guess it's God's plan for me to be in ministry somewhere, and if it's here, awesome and great, and I would look forward to it. But the thing is, I'm tired of running and tired of being disobedient to God. And when we're obedient to God, we see God's grace just shower on us. And that's why I connect so much with Jonah. My disobedience led to some of the worst parts, my worst times of my life, spiritually. But when I finally gave in and stopped running and let God's grace just take over and work in my life, I've seen him do magical, well, not magical, wonderful and miraculous things. I've seen teenagers leave youth groups and go and be great leaders in their communities and their families and in the military and the Coast Guard. I've seen what God can do when you just let him use you. And, you know, I've, I've had those moments where I was like, God doesn't want to use me. You know, you, you ever felt like you've done so much wrong in your life? You've been so bad. You made so many decisions that God isn't going to use you. God will love you, but, man, I've done too much. You can't use me anymore, God. I'm broken. And it was one night I, I felt that way, and I was reading a Bible verse, and I was reading in Romans. And this has become my favorite Bible verse. 
And this has become the Bible verse that pretty much I try to hold to my life. It's that no matter how much wrong you've done, how much bad you think you've done, no matter how much getting away from God or how much disobedience you may have in your life or, you know, you just feel like you're broken enough or that God can't use you and that God just, he likes you, but, you know, he, he, I'm, he can't use me, man, because he's got to be mad with me, right? This Bible verse shows me that no matter what I've done, God always loves me. And there's no matter, no amount of bad decisions I've made in my past, or let's be honest, since I'm not perfect, I'm going to make some more poor decisions probably, or do the wrong thing, or do something without thinking in the future. But the grace of God is always there with us. And Romans 8.38 is something that's given me a new breath of life when I was at my weakest and at my lowest. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That Bible verse gives me comfort to know because I am human. I am going to make mistakes. You are human. You are going to make mistakes. But no matter the mistakes we make in life, as long as we turn back to God, ask for his forgiveness, seek his forgiveness. There's nothing, nothing created that's ever going to make him stop loving us. You can be a disobedient prophet who runs away from God because you're scared of what the outcome can be. You can be a, a disobedient teenager or a younger person because you're scared of what your future might hold if you go that particular path or whatever. But you turn back to God, his grace is always there to accept you. And he's never going to leave you. Um, I hope that you find some comfort in that, that God loves us no matter what. And he's always going to love us. And we just need to seek him and be obedient to his call in our life, whatever that may be. Um, if you would, we'll uh, have a moment of prayer and an invitation time. Father God, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this time we had to come in here and just hear your word, Lord. And I pray that, uh, pray that something in my story just maybe reaches somebody that says, you know what, I can identify with that. And that, that we just see that it's your grace, God, that, that covers us, that holds us, that keeps us to you, and that it's never going to leave us. That unmerited, un, unmerited, and un, just fathomable love that you have for us, Lord, that we just hold on to it and that we always know that you're there with us. And if we look to you, Lord, and we're obedient to you that you're always going to be carrying us through even the most difficult times. That we just trust in you and just follow the plan you have for our life. And I pray that uh, today that you'll just be with us as we go from this place, Lord, and that we can just share your love and your mercy and your goodness to those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank y'all for uh, letting me be here this morning and just uh, share with y'all my story, and I look forward to meeting and uh, serving with each and every one of you. Uh, Brother Rick Godfrey. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, if you're watching us live online, we want to thank you for doing that. We welcome you, but I'll tell you what, we would invite you to come in person because i tell you, we got the best praise team and production team in the country. I, there ain't no better than what we've got here at Bradley Baptist Church. The production is phenomenal. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate what y'all do. Um, I'm going to close this in prayer. Uh, the Samaritan's Purse uh, ministry that we got is uh, they're out front. Uh, Brother Richard's out front. So make sure you see him if you want a shoebox. Thank you guys for coming again. Don't forget Deacons, we got a meeting. Don't forget we got church council coming up this coming up Wednesday. Or excuse me, call church conference this coming up Wednesday. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for allowing us to come this morning, Father, and worship you. Father, you're an amazing God, and you're just you're so good to us, Lord. Thank you so very much for what we just heard. I uh, just pray that we apply it um, and use it in this community, Father. I just thank you for each and every volunteer. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you for you because you're a good and mighty God. And we just thank you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Oh, 